0: He's retired from the NYPD, has a reputation of being the most decorated detective in the history of the NYPD. He's also author of the book, Street Warrior, the true story of the NYPD's most decorated detective, the TV show, Street Justice, The Bronx, which is on Amazon Prime. He's here to talk about his use of force as a police officer and the trauma that ended his career. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, the realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma. Police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website letradio.com and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Ever miss an episode radio show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com Scroll down to the sign up area that's letradioshow.com We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Connecting with us from the New England area, United States, we have an old school police icon, retired NYPD detective Ralph Friedman. Ralph was a guest early on in the show July 2017. Look for a prior episode. as a free podcast. Do a search for old school police, retired NYPD detective, the street warrior. Ralph, thanks so much again for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Very much appreciated.
1: My honor and thank you for having me back on
0: it's, it was a long time ago and you're one of the guys I can really relate to your story I, I did watch your show well, we'll, we'll talk about the show in a moment I can understand where you came from but I gotta say this so many people I've had on the show since your interview mentioned being inspired to become a police officer in Long Island New York City wherever it might be because of your exploits in the newspaper when they were kids
1: I guess that makes me feel good. I mean, if I was able to inspire people. I hope they had good careers and served the public well.
0: You, well, you, know, you uh, did inspire people. That's the thing. And, you know, I, most police I know, where there's two types. There's the ones who talk a big game. And those are usually the ones who never were there or did anything. And those that are like, I was just doing my job, blah, blah, blah. And they, they don't want publicity. You strike me as more of the latter. You don't want publicity.
1: No, I liked the publicity, but I did I did the walk, you know. Yeah. Uh, the publicity is good, you know. Uh, I did everything correctly, and I was involved with big cases and uh, a lot of action cases and the use of deadly physical force. But I think a lot of people see the use of deadly force, deadly physical force, the wrong way. Right. Um You know, they say, oh, you killed X amount of people. I happen to have shot eight people, killing four of them. But the other side of that coin is that I was justified, number one. And number two, if you're justified in using deadly physical force, that means you saved lives.
0: Right. Right. And you here's know, um, the thing that I don't like. And I say this all the time. I, I have nothing against the lip sync videos, the dancing cop videos. Uh, I, however, police chiefs, city hall, command staff, if they don't celebrate cops who stand tall during dangerous situations the same way they do the dancing cops, lip sync videos, they got the car before the horse. They're all wrong.
1: Well, I agree with you on that. Uh, I don't really like them at all because I think it sort of demeans the position if you're going to do that stuff in uniform uh, or represent a police department or something. Uh, I was brought up like much, much different than today's officers are in the respect of how policing is portrayed. You know, we were brought up, it's very masculine, it's very... uh, 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 It's... You know, you've you got to get your hands dirty out there as an officer. Uh, you have to use overwhelming force. I mean, we were taught if someone uh, raised their hands to a police officer, you know, they're going to get their head cracked open. Uh, you've got to outpower the criminals. And today they got, it's a different kind of policing. There's things that came out like verbal judo they were teaching. Right. Uh, then they got uh, disengaging, standing down, um, De-escalation. These were all these things weren't even words. They weren't invented when I was around. We were taught, you know, use the heavy hand. I mean, uh, citizen, decent citizens have to respect the police, and criminals have to fear the police. That's how you control the streets. Well, I you know, agree. That's why you. decent people could sleep in their bed at
0: night. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And I, I came on where we started the verbal judo stuff. But here's one of the things that I remember being a rookie police, and and I came on an ear where a lot of the people who trained me were Vietnam combat veterans. And we had a few Korean War veterans who were command staff level. But I remember being in a fist fight as a police officer, and I got hit first. And number one, the old timer came up to me. He said, number one, if I ever roll up on a, a call, and you're involved in a John Wayne fist fight, and you don't have your nightstick out. Uh, you and I are going to have words. Number two, he said, don't ever wait for them to hit you first. If they say they're going to do something, they're going to harm you, and they make their hand in a fist, don't wait.
1: Yep, that's how I was taught also. If, you know, they they use their hands, you use your stick. They use a stick, you use your gun. You have to outpower them. You have to, that's all that criminals, violent criminals only understand violence. People don't understand that. They don't want to hear that today.
0: Here's the thing that really frustrates me. And I don't have the right words. Maybe you do. And if you don't, that's cool too. Police, we look at the headlines. We, we use newspapers as an example. Because it always leads, the, the headline leads with what the cop did first. Cop shoots and kills man. They don't talk about the 50 decisions the exactly. guy made beforehand that could have ended the whole thing peacefully. And it, it's it's a reaction to Either threat of deadly force or serious bodily harm to you or someone else.
1: Well, that's the whole thing that police react. You know, it's, I always say it's the criminal that makes the choices. If he didn't fire on me, I wouldn't have to fire on him. He I made a bad choice.
0: I agree. Uh, 100%. And I, I wish I had a way to eloquently say it so that it be sound bites repeated by every news organization, but they're not.
1: Well, well you know, there's a different agenda out there today. Yeah. I remember when I was turning out, uh, you know, for roll call and we were ready to go on patrol, uh, we were told they'd have guest speakers there sometimes. The sergeant would turn you out, but sometimes there'd be a lieutenant or a captain or above, or a politician. And that they told us, go out there, protect the public, and arrest bad guys. That's what they said. Today, they don't want arrests. They don't want you to interact. They don't want you to... There's a different agenda out there. And uh, I feel police departments today, one of the downfalls is that politicians are setting the standards and the agendas and running police departments. Whereas back then, we had commanders who were experienced, trained, and, you know, for, and came up through the ranks and yeah. had knowledge of policing. The sense. they never sense. stepped into
0: a backyard by themselves. Right. Well, that's the, the thing. So many people, and I, this is another thing. I love police. I really do. But whenever we have a really bad situation, the so-called tactical experts come out and say, well, if I was there, I'd have done this. Well, and my response usually is, Ralph, you weren't there.
1: That's right. There's more Monday quarterbacks on policing. The more people know about our job who never did the job right. have so much to say.
0: Yeah. And, and a lot of them are command staff that forgot. Or it really didn't. In my department, many of the people that got promoted were we called mobile secretaries. They're the last one to show up at a hot (laughs) call. They never got blood on their uniforms, they never got complaints that That, way they got promoted. And they're the ones. Right, and they're the ones that are they are calling the shots. They're t- the ones that are directing the street cops, and they're the ones that are criticizing and, and creating all the friction. We're talking about Ralph Friedman. Ralph is an old-school police officer from New York, retired NYPD. He has a reputation of being the most decorated detective for the NYPD. He's author books, Street Warrior. We'll talk about that. He's also got a TV show on Amazon Prime and other places called... This Street Justice the Bronx. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. When we return, we'll talk more about Ralph's experience. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing, Test Don't Guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's Bio-Unique Boutique Program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to HarmonyWithFood.com and click on the testing tab. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email J at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. through our conversation with Ralph Friedman, retired NYPD detective. He is author of the book Street Warrior, the true story of the NYPD's most decorated detective and the era that created them. Also, he has a television show Street Justice, The Bronx, which is available on Amazon Prime and also many other streaming services. Ralph, we had you on the show a long time ago. The very beginning is July of 2017. People can listen to that. Old school police, retired NYPD detective, The Street Warrior as a podcast. Law enforcement talk podcast. You can find it anywhere and it's free. One of the things that we talked about in there is that uh, you have a a, tattoo. And I'm I'm a paraphrase. Maybe you can say exactly what it is. That the risk was worth the, um, the rush. What was it? The, risk, the rush was worth the risk. I had reversed. Okay. There yeah. we go. Here's the reason I'm I bringing it up, because I always remember that tattoo when you talk about it, is because I tell people there was a time where I must have been addicted to the adrenaline. Uh, I would rather go into chase a guy into an alley that had shot three people, was armed with a Uzi in a gunfight, than ask a girl I didn't know to dance in a nightclub because that was paralyzing. The fear <laughs> of that stuff overwhelmed everything. And afterwards, I, I hate to say this, I think I enjoyed being shot at because of the rush.
1: Well, that's exactly what that tattoo represents in the States. And uh, I, I know how you feel, because that's how I felt. That adrenaline is a very powerful drug that your own body produces. You know, I never did any drugs in my life. I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. I uh, never have, never started, never did. But that adrenaline drug in your body, it, it's, it's such a rush. And I lived off that for my whole career. And that's why I enjoyed being active. And it was uh, it was a rush.
0: It really was. I, I got to the point where, and I worked in a very busy district in Baltimore, uh, where I really went out looking for, as one of our former commissioners would say, bad guys with guns. Uh, I didn't want to do traffic stops for routine traffic stuff. If I thought you were a murderer, it was a stolen car, you had drugs or guns in it, then I was all over it. I was looking for the worst of the worst. And usually I found them.
1: Well, it's a, it's a great rush. And, uh, you know, people uh, who criticize cops, a lot of them were people that weren't able to become cops themselves but it just shows like a lot of the movies that have made it big and people like to watch or tv series involves cops and police work uh they love to see the shoot 'em ups and the chases and the investigations everybody when they're growing up wants to be a detective even though you got to be a police officer first and go through the uh you know all the basics and stuff but uh people love that stuff You know, then they all think they like we said before, they all think they could Monday morning quarterback it, you know, because they all know more, even though they haven't walked in our shoes.
0: One of the things that people don't seem to get and this goes back to our earlier conversation, you know, police chiefs and commissioners and and public information officers and certainly mayors and city council people do not celebrate our cops. When I hear a story about a cop, now you say that term cop. That's an ultimate compliment for me. Uh, if I say the term street cop, you really were a really stand-up police officer. Um, I, I don't want people to confuse that with corruption and and dirty tactics. No one condones that stuff. I certainly did not. But we don't see the command staff. We don't see City Hall. We don't see any of them celebrating when a cop gets into a gunfight. Uh, for example, there's one... Not that long ago, where a cop was shot in the neck and and he's holding the blood back and and, and he's also firing. Uh, I, I had, remember
1: that. That was yeah. incredible.
0: Then we had a female officer on a show named Anna uh, Anna Marie Carizalis from Texas. She got shot twice on a car stop, once in the face. Got in her car and chased the criminals and caught them. I mean, that's the kind of things we need to be celebrating. Uh, Those are warriors. Those that's are exactly cops. Yeah.
1: You know, the highest praise we could give them as street warriors, uh, heroes, Uh, they're they're incredible. There's incredible acts of bravery committed every day by police officers across the country. And it's a sad thing how respect for police officers has dwindled and uh, turned the other way. I mean, these people are our protectors, and they should be thankful that there's men and women that still want to do this job with the way things are today. And they're willing to take a bullet for a stranger. Right. And, and they and do all too often. People see, and they do all every day. Uh, and when they have to take a life, when they have to do a deadly physical force, it's to save someone, to save multiple people themselves, their partners, or civilians. And that's why when it comes up, when the facts come up, not the headlines, when the facts come up, 99% of the time they're found justifiable and they truly are heroes.
0: You and I policed in time. We didn't have body cameras and we didn't have people with cell phones and video equipment right away. And yet, when you did have to use force, physical force, hands on, or whatever terminology you use nowadays, it was always, ah, man, you had to justify it. You had to explain why you did it. We never lied about it. it. wasn't his stuff of he fell down the stairs. No, this guy threatened and he took a swing at me and I clocked him and here's what I did. But it was always nerve-wracking. It was always there to justify what you did. Nowadays, it seems as if even despite all the evidence, video evidence, people still don't want to believe the truth.
1: Because they have this... Uh There's a different agenda that they're trying to create now. But even going back to talk about physical force, um, you know, you still had to be accountable. You know, they look back at the times when I was on, it was like a a Wild West show, but you were still very accountable. When you had a shooting... uh, Uh, if it was deadly or not, you still had to go before a grand jury, you had to be investigated by a shooting team, you had to be investigated by internal affairs, you had to be investigated by the DA's office, you had to be uh, uh, investigated by the local uh, detective unit for that area. Um, there was a lot of accountability always then. You just couldn't fire your gun. And also when you used physical force, you were still investigated by your sergeant and the uh, the ranks above you. You know, there was always accountability, you know, and it, today it is even more so. And uh, I was, I'm not a fan of the uh, cameras and all the body cams and stuff because... Uh, I, sometimes I think it makes a cop hesitant to do a certain thing. Like he feels, uh, you know, he he feels that he shouldn't do it. Maybe it's wrong when it when it's even right. And I, when I was around, there no, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have cameras, we didn't have video. Uh, nothing like today. The technology has kind of come a long way, and some of it has helped police. Some has set them back. You know a cop walks in to get a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza. There's forty pizza- forty people video him right you know and and I think sometimes cops hesitate and sometimes it gets them hurt.
0: Yeah, and you one of what? the things I always concerned about, Ralph, is that if I had a body camera, uh, I'd be afraid to give people a break when he, a lot of the people you wound up getting for small, small arrests, you turned into informants. Yeah, maybe it takes away discretion. Exactly. A That's what of, of my big which is thing was. a big was. part of police work. We're going to take a short break. We're talking Ralph Freeman, retired NYPD, the most decorated detective in the era that created them. He's also author of the book. Street Warrior, the true story of the NYPD's most decorated detective. And he's got a TV show, Street Justice of Bronx, which is on Amazon Prime and other streaming services. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you hungry for captivating conversations and thought-provoking stories? Look no further than Hefe Pods Podcasts. From inspiring interviews to in-depth
1: discussions, Hefe Pods Podcasts brings you the best voices and perspectives from around the world. Explore a wide range of topics, from business and technology to arts and culture in both English and Spanish. Feed your curiosity and expand your horizons with Hefe Pods Podcasts.
0: Listen now on your favorite podcast platform or go to HefePods.com. That's J-E-F-E-Pods.com of all the radio stations in the United States. There are no other shows like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And be sure to like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show Facebook page. Return a conversation with Ralph Friedman on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Ralph is retired NYPD. He is also an author of the book, Street Warrior, the true story of the NYPD's most decorated detective and the era that created them. Also has a television show, TV shows called Street Justice The Bronx, which is available on Amazon Prime and other streaming services. And I got to tell you, Ralph, I did watch the show when it first came out and I wish they had more episodes because it took me back to uh, another time. One of the things, and we talked about this earlier, many people I've had on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show that were from New York or the tri-state area, they were inspired to become police because of reading about your achievements and what you did. So when people say the most decorated this, that, about a lot of times they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In your case, I, I, I'm not. I, there's a truthful statement. When I watch this show... Now, remember, I'm watching this as an old retired street cop myself from Baltimore. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that seems right. But I can also see that many people in today's society going, whoa, man, that guy's just rough. He's violent. He shouldn't be on a street. What would be your response to that?
1: Well, it was a different age of policing. That's how we were taught. And when you're dealing with violent felonies, you have to be violent back. You know, it's, well, this is how we were trained. Um, there were, and, uh, politicians and the public and police commanders. They wanted bad guys off the street. That was our job, and that's the tools we had to handle it. Was your knowledge, and your strength, and your uh, nightstick, your weapon. These are the tools we had to work with, and those are
0: the tools we used. One of the th- the, the, the mottos that we had. There was actually several, but one was I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6, and that still, still holds that's true still me today for me today, for sure. The other one was, look, and I, I can't remember what movie it was, maybe it was The Untouchables, and uh, if, if you came at me with, as, a, as a cop, and if you physically assaulted me, we would do our level best to make sure you went to the emergency room before you went to jail. If That's you shot correct. a cop, there was the same deal. No one wanted to be the guy who ruined the case. and used excessive force. No one wanted to be that officer. Nobody, myself included. However, the idea that people shoot multiple police officers and they have bug shots where there's not a mark on them, old school guys like me have a problem with that. Yeah, well, you
1: know... Things are so different today. A lot of cops, I'm sure, are turning over in their graves. But uh, it's just a different era. It's such a different time, and there's such different agendas and what people consider important and not important. But respectful police officers should always hold, and they're doing uh, God's work. You know, we keep people
0: safe. Right and uh, and you would listen to the news media you would think that policing is more violent now than it was when you and I were policing and that's not it's just not true
1: well the media has turned i think they have their own agenda and uh, they they really do things and say things that sell papers i guess that's their job and with this uh, society the way it is today that's what they cater
0: to when we look at your tv show and uh, we talked about it briefly and I see you having to use force to go, yeah, that's what it was like, I understand it, and sometimes you'd be proactive. I didn't have a problem with anything I saw portrayed in the, the, the show. Did you get any negative blowback from producers or consumers of the show nowadays?
1: Not from any producers. A couple of... of uh People, you know, very few. I, they told me to expect a lot from the book, and but I, I found very little. I would say the percentage was like like 2% was negative. I mean, people did enjoy the show and the book, and uh, many cops read it. I got a tremendously great feedback on that you know, on the show and the book. Because it brought back memories. People remember how it used to be and how it is today. I mean, we see crime at an alarming rate, Uh, especially in the last three years. We saw cities burnt down, police cars burned, people assaulted, stores being looted, officers told to stand down. Uh, they, it was never like that. You see, a, these police officers today, they're, they're sick of it, too. They don't yeah. want to be, they're there to do a job. They know their job. They want to do it. And they're told to stand down. They see felonies committed right before their eyes and told to do nothing. And it's a terrible feeling.
0: Well, when I you know. was a kid, and we've talked about this before, when I was a kid, my, my grandparents immigrated from Ireland, and they settled in North Jersey, New York City, Long Island, whatever it was, and we used to go up there all the time and visit. My dad's career Navy, so we always lived elsewhere. But that was like the 70s, and back then, you didn't go to Times Square, and you didn't ride the subway. And the, the NYPD worked really hard to make things safe. And uh, same with the state's attorney's office, everybody else. Night and day difference. Now, it seems to me like we're reverting back to those old days.
1: But I think it's worse than the old days. I think the police back in the old days, in my time and before, all we had to deal with was with the criminals. Today, I think the police have it harder because they got to deal with the criminals, of course, but they got to deal with the DAs, they got to deal with judges, they got to deal with politicians, they got to deal with agendas, the, the public, uh, which is more organized. And you know, it's it's not a large percentage. Most people still respect the police. It's a small percentage that. Are very vocal, and it's like the old saying of the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Right, you know, it's a small percentage that's screaming, and that's who they hear. And for some reason, you have um, the media catering to them, but it also is uh, it's this, this agenda today is just so different, you know.
0: Well, I think the agenda is, and I'm going to say this. I don't know if if you can. Uh, the The agenda is money driven, and it's about getting. Attention. Attention means traffic, whether it be digital traffic, social media, whatever it might be. And then you wind up getting the advertisers where the money comes in. So we had a saying in Baltimore, and I'm sure it's the same in New York if it bleeds, it leads when it came to the newspaper.
1: Yeah, you're right. That makes sense.
0: That's all they wanted. And they wanted to focus on the most horrendous stories. If you doubt that, Turn on any, and I think it's even worse now. If you doubt that, turn on any of the cable channels, their news, and watch, especially when you have like a storm in the Atlantic, and watch the hoopla, uh, the, the winter storms, whatever it might be. Doesn't mean that you or I condone cases where we have like uh, Nashville, Tennessee that one was horrendous. I don't understand it. There's a lot of things going on nowadays that I just don't understand because back in my day, we had really active supervision, and I'm sure you had the same with your department.
1: much so. Everybody, that's another whole story of accountability. We were always held accountable. Today, the only people held accountable are the police. You know, the DAs are not prosecuting cases. That's what they're hired for. They should be held accountable. Judges aren't giving sentences correctly. They should be held accountable. Parole boards are letting cop killers and violent criminals out of jail early. And it takes a lot to convict somebody, as you know. And they're not being held accountable. No one's being held accountable except for the cop on the street.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, that's the one that we, we can't afford to have prosecuted, persecuted, and tortured, to be honest. They're the ones who keep the bad stuff at bay. We're talking about Ralph Friedman. Ralph is retired NYPD. He has the justified reputation of being the NYPD's most decorated detective. He's also author of a book, and he has a television show on Amazon Prime called Street Justice The Bronx. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about his career and the violent or traumatic incident that ended his career and his transition to his new life. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John. The letter J Wiley W I L E Y. You can also search for at L E T Radio Show. That's John J Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. My wife, the boss, and I have teamed up for a brand new podcast. It's called Haunting or Not. We combine traditional ghost stories with a little bit of comedy and a true crime aspect to talking about these. Are they real or are they bogus? That's the Haunting or Not podcast featuring myself and my wife, the boss. Be sure to look for it wherever podcasts are served. It's called Haunting or Not. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, returning to an icon of the old NYPD, Ralph Freeman, retired NYPD. And uh, Ralph, it's such a pleasure talking with you. We had Ralph on the show a long time ago. We first started July 2017. You can find the podcast version for free. It's titled Old School Police, Retired NYPD Detective, The Street Warrior. And it's called that because his TV show is called Street Justice of the Bronx, which is on Amazon Prime, all the streaming service. And his book is called Street Warrior, a true story of NYPD's most decorated detective and the era that created them. The term warrior, that was something I believe was highly misconstrued, highly distorted. And the ones who should be valuing our street warriors, our politicians, our admin staff, they do not. And I think you might agree with me
1: today they certainly don't years ago they did you know today they don't uh, they don't want street cops like that they don't want they don't want you to be act- active they want you to be uh, reactive instead of proactive
0: well i thought about this the other night My mind does this periodically. When you have really bad crime situations, like who do they who do they send in? It's like, oh, let's get this one, this one, this one. They go over there. They'll they'll solve it. They'll get they'll get the bad guys. Who do they who they call on now? I don't know.
1: It's uh, people are getting decent. People are getting worried about that.
0: And I you know think they, they want to
1: defund be. police. Uh, you know some people even advocate for no police. It's just a ridiculous thought. to say Some of the things they even say are outlandish.
0: Well, we could have an entire conversation about. It having no police departments. Then then when you have vigilantes running around roughing people up?
1: Yeah, uh, they're trying to empty the jails. They let criminals out at alarming rates and violent criminals at that. Cop killers, rapists, murderers. Um... It's uh, there's, like I said before. There's no accountability. They only hold police responsible for everything, and really, the police are just one cog in the whole wheel. Right. Exactly. You know, there's there's the prosecution. There's the judges for sentencing, and there's parole boards and corrections. Uh, you know, but everything comes down on the police officer. It's a, it's the toughest job there is.
0: Now your career spanned how long? And I, I believe it ended in a really bad car accident, didn't it?
1: Yes. Uh, My career with the police department was actually 16 years. Two years I was a trainee because I was too young and I worked indoors. So that was from all of 68 and 69. Then I got appointed patrolman uh, in 1970. And that's right when I turned 21. And uh, then my career ended uh, in August 1st of 83. I just got back from a motorcycle trip from Virginia Beach with a few friends and got into a radio, uh, an unmarked radio car, you know, an undercover car with my partner. And I did most of the driving, but I let him drive. Not that it was his fault, but he was driving and we got a call to... uh, an officer in trouble in new york it's called the 1013 mm-hmm. and everybody responds at a high rate of speed and as quickly as you can to get to the officer's assistance and another radio a mock radio car driven by a rookie was heading south from the north to go there we were heading west and we were going to make a turn to go south but before we turned they T-boned us on our, my side, and they never touched the brakes, and I got di- hit directly at my door at a very high high rate of speed. I wound up breaking 23 bones, shattered my hip, uh, and broke my pelvic left, right, upper, and lower. Wound up uh, the other three officers, my partner and the two in the other car, all were treated and released in about... 12, 15 hours. I wound up in the hospital for uh, three, almost three months. And then I left the job in a wheelchair. And my official retirement date was uh, January 30th of 1984. And uh, it was, uh, you know, my, I was very active, very strong. And all of a sudden my life came to a sudden stop, you know. Right. And it just goes to show that being a police officer or a street cop, that At any moment, your life could change, either being by an accident uh, or in a car or by a bullet or a knife. I mean, that's a police officer's life. It could change in a flash of a second, like mine did. I was active, and here I am laying in a bed for three months in traction and then in a wheelchair. This is what every officer faces. You know, you could be in a life-changing situation uh, at any second
0: and your whole your whole life could change and that, that's basically what happened with you and me when my career was over I always say I was fine because I knew what to do when I was at work I knew my role I knew my obligations I knew you how to do that. it I loved being a cop and then when I was retired it was all of a sudden when the siren stopped the silence came in that's where the troubles start
1: well in my case you know being in the hospital that long and the injuries that I had um my goal in life you know the police department took care of me very well you know um they gave me a uh, 24 hour a day protection for three months while i was in the hospital uh they catered to all my needs they had my mother being chauffeured around by a police car my girlfriend at the time was chauffeured around the police car to go back and forth to the hospital um They took care of all my needs, so my main thing was I had to concentrate for a couple of years to get my body back into shape and to recover from this injury. And then when I got out of the hospital, uh, they gave me a driver. They gave me a, a maid at the house until my girlfriend got home. Uh, they cooked my food, did my shopping, cleaning, chauffeured me to uh, the medical board and to doctor visits. I was treated very well, and but it was a change of life. But the only they made it so the only thing I had to concentrate and worry about was getting back on my feet and uh, getting into shape again. But uh, and you stay was, in
0: shape now. Let's be honest. You you would like to stay physically fit as best as you well, can. Well, I've in always our done that, age.
1: so uh, you know I try to stay in shape. I'm getting older now, but uh, still in pretty good shape for my age. You know, going to be seventy five in
0: January. But uh, you make still work me feel out. like a young pup. I'll be sixty five in November. You are compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of the things, Ralph. That I jokingly say this, but it's not. It's totally serious. The four S's is for any kind of police officer: sunscreen, which I'm sure you can relate to; soft body armor; seat belts, because back then we didn't wear them, and survive. Uh, because more than likely, accidents, soft body armor, and sunscreen. If you're out in the elements all the time, that sunscreen, that that skin, that sun's going to get you.
1: Funny you say that, just to add to the story, about three weeks ago, I wound up with cancer from the sun, and uh, I had surgery, Uh, thank God they got everything out in one shot, but since I let it go for a while, I had a... It was right on the top of my head. They had to go in pretty deep, pretty long. I had like uh, nine stitches. It was a nasty cut, but it's all healed and gone. But I got the you same thing. The
0: I spend so much time in the dermatologist's office now, and I'm the youngest guy there, but man, they're always cutting stuff out. I want to tell people about your book and your TV series, your TV show. Start with a book. What's it called, and where can people get it?
1: It's Street Warrior is the book. Uh, about uh, my whole career, and it's available on Amazon, and uh, the show is called Street Justice The Bronx, which is streaming on about 17 uh, sites, and it's mainly on Amazon Prime now, and it's also on demand and on Apple TV.
0: And you're also, you're pretty prominent on the internet. People can find you there as well. Is there a website you yep, prefer I'm to send them to? I'm on
1: Facebook. Too? I'm big on Facebook. Um, and uh, I have a, web, a website also called BronxStreetWarrior.com.
0: And I got to ask you this. Uh, Old Street Cop, Old Street Cop. Aren't you a big dog fan too? I mean, big dogs?
1: Absolutely. I have a dog now. My best buddy there, Chase. I got a black lab. That's seven years old now. I had him since he was uh, seven weeks old. And before that, I had a German Shepherd when I was on the job. Uh, Before that, when I was a kid, I had a dog named uh, Nina Beagle. But, uh, yeah, I'm very big on dogs. And That's the same awesome. thing in my, in my career, I had to shoot two dogs. Yeah, But one of them I saved and uh, brought it down to the animal hospital, and they saved his life.
0: We were talking to Ralph Friedman. Ralph, when you wind up in Florida, we definitely got to get together for a cup of coffee. and uh, Absolutely. And, and chew the fat, so to speak. I want to thank you for your service, number one. And number two, for being guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Very much appreciated.
1: Thanks for your service, and thank you for having me on the show again. I do appreciate it, it's an honor to be on this show.
0: I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend, or two, or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.